Hello, and welcome to the podcast M&A Stories, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. I'm Robert Heaton, and I'm joined by my co-host, Toby Tester. In these podcasts, Toby and I share our experiences on various projects that we've both been involved in over the course of our careers, talking about things that have gone well, things that didn't go too well, and things that just completely failed. The purpose of this is that we're hoping that our listeners will learn some valuable lessons from those experiences and that those lessons can be taken forward into your M&A projects. We hope you enjoy listening, so let's get this podcast underway. Hey, good morning, Toby. How are you? Hi, Robert. How are you going? I am good, thank you. Apart from the fact that it's damned cold here in Melbourne. Absolute <laughs> blue skies, but Is it, it was, it was 1.5 degrees this morning when we got wow. up. Wow. Wow. Um, so you're, you're almost in frost territory there. We are. We most definitely are. All right. Um, we're ready for our weekly podcast. Indeed we are. I am. I'm ready. Yeah, you're, uh, when we were talking earlier, uh, you've got a topic here that's uh, really close to my heart, the beauty of simplicity, or as, as I like to call it, the KISS principle. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but you're talking about a divestiture, yes. uh, where keeping it simple was a, a, a sort of a guiding principle. Um, it is. Yeah, do you want to give us the background to it and kick yeah. us off? Yeah. You know, it's interesting, Robert. You know, you know, this whole idea of keeping it simple and KISS principle is, is one that we're all familiar with. We've gone through in our whole corporate careers, always keeping it simple. And that's yep. what it's all about. And it's something that's inherently true, a simple idea. There is a certain beauty in simplicity. And wherever I go, it's something that I always try and pursue as much as I can to get that utter simplicity in what you're doing because it helps drive very good outcomes if you do it. Yep. And I think, and I had a really good situation where I did this and that's with a divestiture that I was uh, running in the United States. It was actually in Pennsylvania and uh, it was an organization, a manufacturing organization, and they were doing the first divestiture in their history. They had been acquiring organization businesses, you know, over the years and grown through scale. But the time had come where they decided to divest the very heart and soul of their organization. It was the original part, about 150 years old, in fact. And it was also a significant part of the revenue. But they saw themselves going in a new direction. And so in a sense, it was really a life-changing event. It was one that sort of like rocked the foundations of the organization, impacting everyone. Everyone knew that once this divestiture went through and it, it, it completed and all that sort of stuff, everybody knew that things weren't going to be the same. I mean, that for me is yeah. very dramatic uh, in the sense of, you know, as you say, your heart and soul. It is. The business, you know, we're almost experiencing that with COVID-19 at the moment. You know, what yeah. we thought was comfortable and normal you know, six mm. months ago is not going to be the same in the future. Mm. And of course, this is the same with the business that divests its core operation to pursue new avenues, new directions. Mm. Anybody that touches that business, life 
thereafter is going to be very, very different. It is. It is very, very different. So in a way, it, it has a sort of destabilizing effect on, on the way people work, you know, when they see so much change going on. And it makes me reflect on m and itself. And Robert, you know this as much as I do, but m and is wildly complex. You know, when you think about it, all the things that are happening, whether it's strategy, whether it's the legal structural change, the agreements, you've got the financing, you've got the communication, yeah. you've got the valuation, you've got the integration. I mean, there's a constant, yeah. never-ending set of demands, you know, requiring all, detailed yeah. decisions and actions, you know? Yeah, and, and they're, all, they're all moving at the same time and they're and all impacting. All moving at the same time. They all yeah. need attention. And I think really and truly, when it comes to size and complexity, I mean, is there a corporate activity that comes anywhere near as close as this? I don't think there is. I mean, M&A is, you know, is really the most complex corporate endeavor that one can undertake. Yep, I'd agree. And of course, the risks likewise are uh, similar. Yep. And, you know, there's a human reaction to all of this is that when people see the size and complexity, what it does, it creates confusion. It creates a sort of bewilderment and also somewhat disheartening as well, because it's trying to cope, you know, it's that coping mechanism for ourselves. How do we cope with so much going on? And how do we do the best we can? And it's not easy. And I think, and this is where what I do, and what you do, is that, you know, we're, we're there to bring a kind of guiding and a mature hand to say, look, there's a lot of complexity here and all that sort of thing. How can there be a guiding and a mature approach to make sure that this whole exercise, which is a divestiture in this particular case, a 150-year-old business, gets successfully closed and transitioned across to the new owners? And that's effectively my, my job in this case. They wanted somebody with, with the thought leadership, the mature approach, and, and a firm guiding hand to make sure that this transaction completed successfully and transitioned over to the new owners. And that was a task. You know... I'm just going to interject because it reminds me of some principles that I follow with projects. And that is that, you know, you've painted this picture of the complexity of all these moving parts of everything mm. interacting with each other. And it is a very complex environment. But at the yeah. end of the day, as you move through that process, there's a few things that you need to be able to communicate well. Mm. And it's those questions like, you know, are we there yet? Yeah. Right? Where are we right now? Yeah. And have we arrived? Those are constant questions that sort of play out throughout the course yeah. of an M&A deal. Yeah. And the only way to really answer those with certainty is to break yeah. it down to a level of simplicity. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. is. Uh, and that's the task. Yeah, it, it it's right. really is to bring that sense of simplicity into it. <laughs> and, you know, I, there's a quote here, which I, I know everybody, I'm sure everyone's very familiar with this one, because it comes from Albert Einstein, who, you know, who said everything should be made as simple as possible, but not simpler. And, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a fabulous quote. What can I say? It's one of those yeah. great quotes, you know. It, the sentiment behind it, I think, is, is pretty strong and clear. And it's really this. It's a make complex things as simple as possible without compromising their meaning. I just, I just had a vision in my head of that yeah. on a big sign yeah. up, up in the um, integration office. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I know, but you know, the thing is, what I find funny about this, Robert, is that that just defines what leadership is. 
you know the the whole notion of leadership is basically to stop people from being overwhelmed by keeping things as simple as possible you know conquer the complex process make it simple spot on and you know what's just got me excited is and i'm thinking back to various leaders that i've worked with but that is the quality of good leadership. This doesn't just apply to M&A, this applies to business as usual. And the quality of a good leader is someone who can take a complex strategy, but bring it down into a level of simplicity that everybody can buy into and everybody can understand. Indeed. Sorry, Toby, I'll let you... No, no, and and I'd say that my message to leaders, along what you just said, Robert, is that to leaders, to people out there, I talk about M&A, but it could be anything, and it's simple, it really is this, use simple rules to drive complex work. Now, what do we mean by that? Now, in the past, when I talk about simple rules, I'm thinking about guiding principles, codes of conduct, business maxims, boundary rules. They are... Do all do the same thing, simple, direct statements used to provide a contextual understanding, empowerment, and direction on what needs to be done. And yes. what you've got to do is make complicated things like strategy, it, it, you know, difficult documentation, other things, and render them down to simple rules that define the understanding, the empowerment, and the direction on what needs to be done. Okay. So... I'm going to challenge you here yeah. because I, I'm in full agreement and, yeah. you know, I've both driven these sort of projects and been the beneficiary of good leaders that have followed this approach. Yeah. Um, how do you, how do you actually do that in the middle of an M&A project? <laughs> <laughs> what, what, how do you do this? So, okay, well, so you're challenging me here, Robert. You're saying, well, that's all very well. It's all very simple, but... Give me some specifics how you do this. I I have clearly got in my mind a number of legal people and finance people who, no matter what you try and do, will try and make the damn thing as complex as possible. Yeah. And and you're to do the opposite. So (laughs) uh, I'm sure our listeners as well. Well, it's like, okay, yeah, actually, do you do that? All right. Let's get back to the story because I was brought in as a sort of like to provide that sort of guidance, that leadership and the mature hand on divesting a 150-year-old business. This is something you cannot go wrong. There's a lot of complexity here. So this is my approach for this particular story. I got a number of teams together, but the first of all was to get the HR team because I wanted to, to get close involved in this because a lot of this does come down to communication. So there was... Some sessions I've started off with, first with HR, and really what I want to try and do is get some irreducible statements that define the why, the what, and the how of the divestiture. Now, I'll give you some examples. Communication protocols between the buyer and seller. How do you communicate? What, how, you know, how should you be communicating between them and what the, what's the key process? What are the principles between the buyer and the seller? What does the seller do? What does the buyer do? You know, like in terms of rules, billing rules. How do you how do you build between each other? What are the top priorities for deal close? What yes. are the uh, key rules around transitional services? What what are the rules? What are the code of conduct type rules? So these are broad rules that define the way you work. And so, what I did was to understand 
the vision, the purpose and the goals that's behind the strategy documentation, the legal documentation, and then brought the people together and to start constructing these rules. And it's very simple. Get a whiteboard, start writing them down and looking at broad strategy uh, direction and rendering them down to short sentences. There were short, simple and clear sentences. I don't normally call them rules. I call them principles, code of conduct or protocols, yep. do's and don'ts, so yep. diff different things. And say, how can I make this simpler? And always going and testing them with the, with the team. Can I make this simpler yet still? Could they be misinterpreted? Are they empowering? Do they convey meaning? And check with others to see if they can find holes in them and then improve upon them. So uh, I've got to say, I've just got to say uh, you, what was going through my head there was yeah. what one of the critical areas, and I've uh, again had experience of this. Yeah. <clears throat> you break something down to a level of simplicity, and you're going to have a proportion of people in the business that go, "You beauty, I can get around this," or they will <laughs> they will they will abuse yeah. it or ignore yeah. it or whatever. <laughs> You know, yeah. and I, I just noticed you started to talk there about you actually tested it to make sure that indeed, it was indeed. Rock solid. And so the key steps are this: so when you're doing this, developing these simple rules, understand the vision, the purpose, and the goals. Next step is to identify the barriers, the pain points, the constraints, of the bottlenecks that stand in the way of those goals, and then yep. put together the rules that address those barriers, making sure they're yep. simple and clear. You know, so there's no ambiguity then test them and say, can these be misinterpreted? Are they simple? Are they empowering? Do they convey meaning? Check with others. And if they don't seem to quite work, well, then use the team, the people with you, to yeah, test them and try them again. And as I said, I did this with the HR team first because they were, they were, they're part of their job is to help communicate this. Then I brought the finance team in, legal, you know, marketing sales, and the different groups and to test these rules. And, you know, there weren't that many. There was probably about, you know, in all and maybe about, more, no more than about sort of 15 odd rules that define the various parts of the divestiture. I, I thought for a minute he was going to say there was 10 and they were written on a tablet of stone. <laughs> <laughs> like, like the Ten Commandments. Well, yeah. well, you know, sometimes it can be as simple as that, you know, li literally. I, I've just, I've just re recalled a memory of a project where a similar arrangement, there was a number of rules that were yeah. paramount organization yeah. uh, and CEO actually had those rules put on the back of everybody's ID card <laughs> well there you go so yeah. you could never turn around and say, you know I don't know what they are because yeah. they were on the back of your ID your photo was on the front yeah. and, and those, those uh, I think it was six in this case yeah were, were on the back um, <laughs> the other thing of course with these rules and I, I, I think you might be going on to talk about this is that they need to be guiding principles. They need to be rules that everybody abides by. And what also needs to be included is, and by the way, this is what happens to you if you don't abide by those rules. So those are like the boundaries. You know? And I think it's important that when you do this rule development, that you're defining what you do do, but all importantly, what you don't do, that you know when you've crossed the line, that you've yes. gone beyond the realms of what is within the span of your command or your authority so that you, you know yep. you've stepped over. But everything you yep. do within is fine. So it, it is very yep. much an empowerment thing, but also calling out the situation if you've gone beyond the boundary. So it worked in this case? It, you know, the funny thing is, 
it actually became quite good fun because we really sat down and said, how can we make this simpler? What I loved about it was the whole interaction because people got it. They understood what I wanted to achieve. And I couldn't do it on my own. I needed the team and the teams to help me develop these roles, but they got on board. But the real good thing is, is that when we finally sort of like developed the rules around the divestiture and started rolling them out, these rules became a kind of like a messaging, like a mantra. There were little statements that people would repeat, taglines. You know, whenever you're talking to staff or stakeholders or team, there were little messages that people just repeated, said, and emphasized, you know, in any kind of interaction. I mean, yeah. they became the messages that were in town hall sessions, in governance meetings, and in working groups. These are the messages which kept the whole show on the Sorry. road and the it's guidance. Just, yeah, it's just hit me, and it's bleeding obvious when you think about it. The real key to what you've done here yeah. is you didn't walk in one day with a set of rules and say, right, we're all going to abide by these rules from now on. Here they are. Take your copy and learn them yeah. well. You actually involved people in the process. So it indeed. became their rules. It's indeed. They, so, so you are going beyond the pale if you decide to go and step outside of a rule that you've actually been parts of creating indeed indeed it, the rules it all came from them it, you know all i yeah. did was just simply provide a process and the motivation and the leadership yeah. to allow the team themselves to define the way they see themselves working in this divestiture. Yeah. Not, not only have they been part of the process of developing the rules but they've taken ownership of it on round yeah, yeah. you know the thing is robert is that it works people love it and I suggest yep. anyone who's listened to this, do it. It works. Yep. Now, I'll re-emphasize what you said earlier. We're talking about this in the context of M&A. That's yep. great. And it's good guiding principle. This also applies to any senior leader that's dealing with a, a project of any level of complexity yep. and needs to be able to manage that and bring the rest of the team with them. You need to break it down to... The simplicity. We probably are at a point where we need to talk about the key lessons from this, Toby. Key lessons, yes. I, I sort of mentioned it before, but I repeat it again. For anybody who's doing a, a massively complex M&A deal or transformation initiative or anything to do with driving uh, the strategy for the organization, the lessons are these. One, understand what the vision, purpose, and goals are for your initiative. Just basically bring it in, understand it in terms of what needs to be achieved, how it's going to be achieved and why it's so important. Because what and how are very procedural, but why is it more of a narrative or a story driven and people are motivated by stories. So it really comes down to those stories being driven down to very simple statements. So understand the vision, purpose and goals. Then understand the next thing is to identify what prevents people from achieving what they can do. So what are the barriers what are the pain points or constraints or bottlenecks? So it could be resource constraints. It could be financial constraints. It could be other different types of constraints that could get in the way of achieving those goals. Next lesson, get a team together and create the rules. Whiteboard, write them down, make them specific situation, short, simple, clear, simple statements, and do it with the team. And then finally, test make sure that you test the rules. They can't be misconstrued, misinterpreted, and are they powerful and do they convey meaning? And so there they are, the four key lessons. Understand the vision, the goals, 
um, purpose. Next, identify the barriers, create the rules, test the rules. Brilliant. As usual, a fabulous conversation, Toby. And I think that also is some great advice for anybody that's listening. As always, we hope that uh, you're enjoying these podcasts. We will be back next week with another topic. And you may also see us start to bring additional guests into our conversations in the not-too-distant future. So that's a wrap for us for this week. And it just leaves me to say from myself, bye from now and from Toby. Yeah, and bye. And don't forget the beauty of simplicity. It's, it's wonderful. So keep it simple. Bye.